great to be together, dear friends, this morning. And during Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, um, we gather together with friends and family. And, and often, if your family or friends are like mine, we start to tell stories of the past or remember when stories. You, you do that? We did a little bit of that over Thanksgiving. We had a Zoom call, Thanksgiving Zoom call, uh, with our extended family, my side of the family, some in Germany and some, you know, Northwest, and we all got together, and, and it was, we started doing that, R- remember when? And then it, they started making fun of me. And remember when you wanted to put that nice glaze on the marshmallows, on the sweet potato thing, you know, and I put it in the broiler, and then I got distracted? Remember when? You have all, you all have remember when stories, I'm sure. We all can relate to remember when a few years ago, right? Years ago, we could get on an airplane without wearing a mask. Remember when? Remember when we kids would go to school without worried about getting some COVID disease? Remember when you can go to a sporting event or out to dinner or it was, and somebody starts coughing and you're like, oh, was that? Is that, are we going to worry about that? Remember life before the pandemic. It's not always negative, though. Uh, remember, I remember when just driving all over the place, meeting after meeting, running around uh, with a breakneck speed, fill our calendars with so many events. Remember when? Remember when we took our health for granted? Remember when we didn't, we were so busy we didn't talk to our neighbors? Remember when the, going to the DMV was like getting root canal? I'm here to report it's not that way anymore. My son and I, we were there a couple weeks ago, and we walked in, and right when they greeted us, how can we help you? And I'm like, wow, this is great. And then they said, what's your, what's your need? They gave us the form. They said, here's your number. Just sit down. They have widescreen TVs, and they had a cooking show going. I felt so relaxed. I didn't want to leave the DMV. That's, that's, that's crazy. Remember when? You have your own list of remember when. I'm convinced that... Taking time to think about the past, remembering when, is a valuable exercise in preparing for the future. Remembering the past is a valuable exercise in remembering the future. What do I mean? Well, in the season of Advent, we are preparing for what's coming next, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so the church takes time to remember when. The church does that remember when game. And I know who started it. It was Matthew. In his account of Jesus' life and times, he begins his account with remember when. And it's unique where he begins and where he takes us. He takes us outside to a graveyard. Remember when. We get to see Jesus' family tree. It's out of Matthew chapter 1. Verses 1 through 17. And it goes like this. The family tree of Jesus Christ, David's son, Abraham's son. Abraham had Isaac. And I think you have a different version than I am reading. So I might not say the same words, but maybe I can read it from here. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. Tamar was their mother. 
Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron was the father of Ram. Isn't this exciting, all these names? Ram was the father of Abinadab, and Abinadab, some of these you could use if you're going to have a child, was the father of Nashon, and Nashon was the father of Solomon. Solomon was the father of Boaz, Rahab was Boaz's mother. Boaz was the father of Obed, Ruth was Obed's mother. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of the King David. David was the father of Solomon. Solomon's mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam was the father of Abijah, and Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jerome. Jerome was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham, and Jotham was the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Messena. Messena was the father of Amon, and Amon was the father of Josiah. And Josiah was the father of Jacob. I'm I'm sorry, I messed up. This guy's name's wild. (laughs) Jaconiah and his brothers. In that time, the Jewish people were forced to go away into Babylon. And after this, the family line continued. Jaconiah was the father of Zethiel. Zethiel was the father of Zebarel. Zebarel was the father of Abed. And Abed was the father of Alakim. And Alakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. And Zadok was the father of Akim. And Akim was the father of Elud. And Elud was the father of Eleazar. And Eleazar was the father of Mathen. And Mathen was the father of Jacob. And Jacob was the father of Joseph. Joseph was the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, some would say, Matthew, thanks a lot for that long list of names. Why can't you be like the others? Well, they start out with these really cool stories. You know, the nativity scene, animals, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Why do you start take us out to the graveyard? Moreover, some would suggest that going out to the graveyard is, is a little bit morbid when we want to celebrate Christmas. It's the first Sunday of Advent. we got the lights, the twinkle lights, the decorations, gifts to wrap, things to plan. But, you know, in some ways, cemeteries can be quite inspiring. I, I remember taking my children, my family, to the cemetery back east, the Arlington National Cemetery. I made my kids walk through the aisles and the rows of those who have served our country, gave their lives. We stood there at the tomb of the unknown soldier as they changed guards in silence. We watched the eternal flame of a president who was shot down. Very inspiring. But reading through this list, we have to be honest here. The family tree can bring up names or stories that we might not want to necessarily remember or bring up during the Christmas meal. Three important women are named by Matthew here. He will not let his congregation forget their names. Some might stand up and walk out on Matthew at this point. What is he doing? Why are you dragging us through this? He includes names that bring to the surface stories and events that turn into whispers around the dinner table. Tamar 
who struggled for justice and eventually went and called righteous. But earlier, she tricked her father-in-law to sleep with her. Or Rahab, the reformed Gentile harlot of courageous faith. And Ruth, a Moabite, a faithful Moabite, intelligent, steadfast in commitment. None of these are of Jewish descent. Why is Matthew bringing this up? All of these. And then there's a fourth name. One that he can't even get himself to say. Matthew can't even bring himself to say the name Bathsheba. King David committed adultery. And later this powerful king attempted to cover up his sin and his guilt by having Bathsheba's Bathsheba's husband Uriah killed. Why drag us through that again, Matthew? Why bring up those names? It would be better to forget but they're there all the same. Matthew does not sanitize the list. Clean it up and put some kind of polish on it. I'm convinced Matthew was well beyond the whole idea of pretense. A follower of Jesus. He knows less than genuine account will not get anybody anywhere. So he includes those names. Matthew says, look, everyone, Built right into Jesus' family line, his ancestry, the story of, good, of God's divine mercy comes right to the surface. The family tree contains both Jews and Gentiles, saints and sinners, men and women. Some have lived difficult lives and conducted themselves in ways that they regret. And yet, faith redeemed. God works over and above human behavior. His divine mercy breaks right through it all. By including these names, he recalls the stories and reminds the church that even though we fail, even though we fall short, God's mercy flows deep and has the power to forgive sins, the power to restore from shortfalls, heal wounds, help through suffering. God cannot but love abundantly. Woven through this list of names, men and women, is a clear announcement of God's divine mercy and that God can be trusted. God can be trusted, can be relied upon to fulfill his promises. Even though in the desert of rebellion, God does not give up or give in, God can be trusted. God fulfills his promises. That's why Matthew is bringing this church, bringing our church through this again. This reason Matthew claims there is no getting to Christmas unless you first go through the cemetery. He wants the congregation to take a moment to remember. Remember where they have come so that it will prepare them for what's coming next. Now those who know about these things remind us that when Matthew was writing, he's writing to a congregation that had, was no longer worshiping in a synagogue. You see, they were Jewish by heritage, but Christian by conviction. By this time, they're not worshiping in the synagogue, the familiar synagogue they grew up in, and now they're trying to figure out what it's like to be church together in the community of faith. Indeed, this community was built on the foundation of Israel, right? But now the doors are increasingly opening, opening up to everyone, to the non-Jew, the Gentile, And so they find themselves in this moment of being in between their Jewish heritage and their new life 
found in Christ. There is in between in attempting to balance the demands of the old with the wonderful dramatic challenges of the new. Trying to balance the old with the dramatic challenges of the new. Is this starting to sound familiar? It does to me. Like it or not, we're still in this in-between moment, in between the old life we had before a pandemic, and now we're struggling to figure out what it's going to be like in the future. I'm not quite sure what's coming next. All we can be sure of is that God is with us, and God can be trusted. Matthew will remind his congregation and ours that past promises provide future hope. Past promises provide future hope. Imagine your week and past promises that will provide hope for you. I know, I think about it. I think about in the past where this congregation started, right? Where did you start? You had an NPR, those portables out there. You worship there. And now you worship here in this wonderful sanctuary. Past promises, God fulfilling promises in our lives. Our ministries are increasing and growing and are reaching out into our community. We thought, oh, how wonderful it would be to have a preschool. Hey, we have one now, and it's operating. We have a waiting list. We need a teacher or two to help us. How we prayed and thought and worked together to, to achieve that with God. Past promises provide future hope. Where is God going to take us? Past promises and how we are continuing to reaching out in and through our mission partners. How we have increased our mission giving. So imagine your week and the affirmation of how God has been in and through your life up until this point and how God will continue to be in and through your life. And that provides hope. Dear friends, throughout Advent, I'm going to invite individuals forward to come and tell stories. Next week we have an amazing story from a, a couple who have a past promise and they rely, they rely on for future hope. We're going to hear from several of our mission partners as well. I look forward to this time of this Advent season where we can increase in our faith and our love and our joy through hope. Just think about your lives, your work, your family, your friends, the celebrations, the difficulties, the uncertainties, our memories, our hopes, and our dreams. Our lives are redeemed by the promise of God's faith, God's love, God's grace. Our lives are on that promise that God is able to, able and does provide a way of reconciliation, a way of redemption, a way of salvation. So that is our hope, that is our call, and that is God's word to us this day. Allow me to pray. God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this word and reminder of, of past promises that provide a future hope. And we all have those stories in our lives where you entered in and provided the strength, the needed healing, and the hope. And we rely on those stories and those moments, those markers in our lives to give us strength for what's coming. Some things are unknown and we look to the future and wonder, and yet we trust you. And we trust you with our lives, and we reflect that by giving of our lives, of our time and our talent and our financial resources. So, Lord, the, the gifts that are being shared this morning, 
as we continue to share together to support the ministries and the mission that you've called us to, Lord, I pray and dedicate those gifts to you now. May your love and grace grow and expand, not only from this area, but through our mission partners and through our staff and through our elders and our deacons and those who serve you in and through this congregation. In Christ's name we pray, amen.